0: We are dead with, uh, in our own life, but risen uh, with Christ. And, and so we look forward to that, to know that our life is hidden with Christ and God. And, and so then he goes on to explain that a little bit more, that if that's going to be in our life, in verses uh, 5 through 11, you put to death some things in your life. Put to death sin, it's counter to Christ. And then verse 12, we see ourselves from God's perspective. And that is really important. The Holy Spirit is constantly at work to help us to see ourselves from God's perspective that we're beloved and that we're chosen and that we're holy for a work set apart. Uh, then we're to show Christ in our life. And, and what that looked like, that it was compassionate hearts and kindness and meekness and uh, humility. and Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And we saw what it is to show Christ uh, with one another. And then we saw that it is to uh, allow the Holy Spirit... To be at rule in our life. And and specifically, the peace of Christ. To be thankfully letting the peace of Christ call the shots in our life. To set his rule. And then to soak up the word of God, thankfully, in our life. And we saw how that was important uh, for us to to do that. And then, verse 17, to see all of life as a spiritual act of worship. And do so thankfully. Thankfully. And whatever you do, you do it in the name of Christ, and And then he listed out specifics roles of what that looks like for a wife and for a husband, for children, for um for parents, fathers, for employers, for employees. And we went through the rest of chapter three to chapter four, verse one, with that thought. And then chapter four, verse two, he, this is the the next point, and that is simply prayer. Uh, prayer is to stay focused in prayer stay in a thankful prayer mode and so that's what we're going to pick up and so if you wanted to see the big picture of chapter three of of how the holy spirit is at work how does the power of christ at work see yourself as god's perspective uh, that's important show christ in your life uh to uh let the peace of christ rule in your life so soak up the word of God and see all of life as a spiritual act of worship and then stay in a thankful prayer mode. That's the big sermon. It's taken me many weeks to preach it. Uh, and so that's the big sermon of, of chapter uh, three and chapter four. Uh, but we're going to focus on that last point of staying in a thankful prayer mood. Uh, every once in a while, we, we come across stories that are just absolutely amazing. And it lets us know how the Holy Spirit has work. I think if you were to read uh, The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin, you would see quite a few stories that are happening in the last 20th century, in the last 30 to 40 years. Uh, the Holy Spirit's appointing work uh, for people who are testifying and showing the Spirit of God Showing endurance and showing uh the quiet power of God at work. And and I would encourage you to read that book, The Insanity of God, by Nip Gripkin, uh to be encouraged uh about how God is at work in the midst of dark times. Came across another story from the from the nineteen fifties, uh, including a man by the name of Duncan Campbell. Duncan Campbell uh, was a A minister of the United Free Church of Scotland was involved in the revival work uh, in the area of Scotland, the Hebrides uh, Islands off of Scotland. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, Uh, but uh, that was a very significant place and time. Uh, This is a story recounted by a man by the name of Wesley Duell, uh, who was there with him, uh, around him. Uh, On a Monday after Easter, 1952, Duncan was seated in a platform after speaking to the faith mission convention in bangor northern ireland where he sends the inner voice saying to him a very specific name of an island of which i cannot pronounce uh, not, just it's not important just know that was in his mind duncan bowed his head and prayed silently again again the name of this island came to him he prayed on and the name came a third time so campbell turned to the chairperson and whispered brother You will need to excuse me. The Holy Spirit has just told me that I am to go to this island. Well, the chairman objected mildly saying, You are the speaker tomorrow. But nothing could stop Duncan Campbell. He knew that it was the sense of the Holy Spirit speaking to him in in his life. And so uh, he got there to the coast. I caught the first flight to the nearest island and went to the coast and asked how to get to the specific location. And the answer from a fisherman was that there was no usual commercial way. He'd have to take such uh, a, 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 a shipping vessel, a fishing vessel, uh, to take him there, and told him the amount that would cost him. And he happened to have that exact amount in his pocket, paid it, and then he got to the island uh, and he left the Duncan Campbell there on the shore. He climbed the bluff and found himself on the edge of a plowed field and a farmer not far away. And he said, please go to the nearest pastor and tell him Duncan Campbell has arrived. The farmer responded, we don't have a minister for the church now. Well, do you have elders? Campbell asked, yes. All right, go to the nearest elder and tell him Duncan Campbell has arrived. The farmer looked at him quizzically and started off across the field as Campbell rested on his suitcases. And after a while, the farmer returned and said, the elder was expecting you. He has a place ready for you. He has announced the meetings begin at nine o'clock tonight. While Campbell Campbell had been ministering in the convention at Bangor three days earlier, this elder had spent the day praying in his barn for God to send a revival to the island. God gave him the promise of Hosea 14 verse 5. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He claimed it in faith. His wife and the house heard him praying in the barn. Lord, I don't know where he is, but you know, and with you all things are possible. You send him to the island. He knew in his heart that God was going to send Duncan Campbell, who had been used in a mighty revival in other parts of Scotland. He was so sure that he would be there in three days that he made all the arrangements to use the local church and had announced the services. The author goes on to say that great revival came to the island and a great door for the word was opened that no man could shut because God opened it. When God has people who prevail in prayer... And people who know how to recognize the voice and spirit of obey without question, there is no limit to what God can do. And I just want to share that I think God wants to do something in this area. God is working. And the question that comes is will there be people who pray? When the Lord comes to visit, will he find people of faith there? Will he find any who are setting their minds on things above? Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6 is a great assurance. And it is not intended just for us to be encouraged. It is given to us to be encouraged to do something. And so the real result of whether this passage means anything to you is what you will do with it. And so with that being said, let's stand as we read together Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time So verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer is a direct imperative, direct command. All the other verbs that are modifying participles. So the main point is verse 2. Stay in prayer and in a thankful mode of prayer. And so verse 2 is the main point. Being watchful in thankfulness. So what does it mean continue steadfastly? Well, the idea is that you make steps to include this. You are devoted, is another translation, devoted to this. Uh, Sometimes when we say, we want to be devoted in prayer, that seems, you know, that seems too hard. I mean, devoted to yourself seems pretty wholehearted. But I would just say to you that you are devoting yourself in many things already. Uh, You are devoting yourself in keeping your teeth clean. You are making steps to make sure that your teeth have some semblance of cleanliness. You're devoting yourselves to brushing your teeth, are you not? If you're not, you should, all right? That's bonus. That's your extra credit, all right? You devoted yourselves to that. You have steps that you do to ensure that your teeth are clean. You are devoted in sleeping. You are making steps. You probably even have bought furniture, for that purpose, haven't you? You've got a room. You might even have the 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 atmosphere just right. Some of you have music playing and certain lights flowing. Just so you can sleep. You're devoting yourself. You're making steps in sleeping. You're devoting yourselves in eating. You, you have it in your budget to eat, don't you? you? You probably have furniture in your... You probably have a whole room set aside. Maybe two or three rooms set aside for eating you're making steps in eating you you're some of you are devoting yourselves in clothing right yes every single one of you i see are devoting yourselves in clothing you also have rooms set aside you also have budget set aside for this you will even take time in your day to to do this to to clothe yourself right the consequences are dire if you're not devoted to clothing you, some of you are devoted in, in, in exercise, and, you, and you've got your steps, you, you're, you're making uh, steps to exercise. Listen, devote yourselves in prayer. And you say, that's too hard. I've just listed out several ways you're devoted. Is that too hard? I hope not. We are to devote ourselves in prayer because it's essential in our life for the resurrection power to be at work. How do you set your minds on things above? It's by prayer. It is to get your mind directed outside of just what's happening in your life and directed to where God is, where Jesus is seated at the throne room of God, where he rules. You want to spend time there so you devote yourselves in prayer. Continue steadfastly in this. How do we do that? Well, one way is you can pray in concentric circles from the inside out. From those who are most close to you to outward. You can pray for your own heart, your own life. Pray for your family, those who are around you. Uh, pray for uh, perhaps outward maybe to your workplace. And and, and pray for your, uh, your church. Or pray for uh, as you go out from from proximity out to further, to pray out to those who are further away from you and relationship or distance. And that's just one way you can pray for the people in your life and for yourself. What do you pray? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul is going to answer that for you in the next passage. So continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This is one of the clues to let me know that this is one of the steps Of chapter 3, of letting the resurrection power at work in our life. you remember? You you go to chapter 3, you see that there's quite a few passages here that have this same phrase at the end. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to god verse 17 and whatever you do in word or deed do to everything the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him so verse 18 all the way to this chapter 4 verse 2 is an explanation of verse 17 and then chapter 4 verse 2 continues steadfastly in prayer and being watchful in it with thanksgiving it is a continuation of some of the same Clues of letting Christ rule in your life and the power of Christ at work in your life. Thankfulness is so underrated in how we are letting the Holy Spirit work in our life. I read chapter Colossians and it tells me that thanksgiving is a huge tool, a huge expression of the Spirit of God at work in our life. When we are grumpy, whiny, and complaining, it is our flesh at work. Guaranteed. When there is thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts to God, is the Spirit of God at work? Colossians guarantees that. And so consider that uh, as we pray that we are watchful, alert. What are we being alert for? We're, listen, our society is constantly grabbing for your attention. Even right now, you guys are struggling with listening. Okay? It is a constant battle, isn't it? All right? All right. All throughout your day is a constant warfare for your mind, for your attention. Commercials, games, music, uh, images, books, constantly clamoring for attention. And the scripture is saying, let you be alert, attentive to the spirit of God. For some of us, we might just need to cut off the radio in the car to allow us some time to reset our mind for the work of God and the Spirit of God in our life. To pray. We might need to cut off TV. We might need to cut off the internet. We might need to figure out what is it that's grabbing our mind to keep us from being alert to this. Sometimes Satan attacks us not just by putting thoughts into our life, but keeping thoughts being in our heart. And so Paul is admonishing Be alert. Be attentive to this. I cannot stress to you the value of of examining the influences of your life which grabs your mind. Do not go thoughtless through all the fads and uh, activities that society says to do. Don't go thoughtless down that road. It is designed to keep us from Christ. Do you believe that? You need to consider that. And examining what we put into our mind. Being watchful in it, alert to this with thanksgiving. All right, so prayer. And one of the things that I was reading uh, N. T. Wright was, was I was reading one of his commentaries this past week, and one of the things he was talking about is prayer is just being uh <clears throat> have you ever asked yourself, you know, I don't think when I pray my prayer is reaching above the ceiling? Well, here's the news it's not. Heaven's coming down. It's not us going up to heaven. Heaven is coming down to listen. God wants to help you, He wants to listen to you. It's not us making sure our prayers are reaching the heavens. It's the heavens are reaching us. It's not my ability. It's the ability of God, the ability of Jesus Christ to bring heaven to us. And so anytime we pray, it has become a heavenly room. Listen, I'm going to tell you this room is not special because there's a cross and stained glass windows. This room is special when you come as a believer in Jesus Christ with others and you say, let's pray. Let's let God hear us. And that makes it special. It's the sanctuary then. When we leave, this is no longer sanctuary. When we're here, it's a sanctuary. It becomes a temple of God. Because you're the temple of God. God comes to us. Now, uh, what do we pray for? Verse 3. says, as you're being watchful in thanksgiving... At the same time, pray also for us. And Paul is referring to him and the party that's with them that's working to declare Christ. I love the fact that Paul needs others. You need others too, and that's part of the church. We need others to work together. Same time, pray also for us. Why? That God may open to us a door for the word. Alright, second. And then verse 4 is the second thing he asked for, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So what do we pray for? We pray for a declaration of Christ. We are praying for us to be able to share the gospel. And two specific ways. We pray for an open door, and then we pray for a clear word to say. We pray for uh, an opportunity to say it, and we pray for the words to say. Uh, we combine Ephesians with that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, which is a parallel passage to this. And it says, uh, he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as it ought to speak. So with this in Ephesians, he says, not only pray for an opportunity, not only pray, not only pray for clarity, pray for boldness. So let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed for an opportunity to share the gospel? Just throw that out there. And this is the, this is the question that you hope every preacher would never ask. When was the last time you shared the gospel? That, you know, always just quiets everybody for the most part. Perhaps they're Related. Perhaps the infrequency of sharing the gospel is connected to the infrequency of your prayers to do so. Here's a takeaway. If you walk away and you don't have an, an intended plan and action steps to pray for opportunities to share the gospel, then you, just, you know, just take that verse out of your Bible for the effect that it has in your life. Write it down. I will pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. Write that down. Because I have a better shot of you actually doing that if you write it down and commit to it. Pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. And so, what does a door look like for Paul? He says, Pray that uh, God may open to us a door for the word. And I start looking at the opportunities that, that Paul had. What did he see as an opportunity? Basically, it was any time a person was interested in what Paul had to say or interested in what God had to say. An open door looks like any time someone is interested in what you have to say or what God has to say. So look at this. Uh, When did Paul saw fit to share the gospel? Well, when he was in the synagogue. When there was opportunity for people to say, okay, someone explain the word of God. And so, Paul would go to the synagogues and he would use that and see it as an opportunity to share the gospel. When he was in a riot, <laughs> Paul thinks, you know what? They want to hear from me. They're rioting. They want to hear from me. If they want to hear from me, then I'm going to use it to share the gospel. And he speaks in a riot and declares the gospel. When he was in court, when he's brought before Roman officials and they say, speak, Paul. We want to hear from you. So, what does Paul do? Paul shares his testimony of how God worked in his life. Well, after miracles took place, he healed someone, and someone says, "What has happened?" Well, let me tell you what happened. And he saw it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, when uh, when there was natural disasters, like when a ship is about to uh, to sink. And the people are wondering, and they're starting to pray, and they see. And he Paul says, "Uh huh." They're starting to talk to God. They want to hear from God. Hey, let me speak. Let me share a word. And so, in the middle of a sinking ship, he proclaims the word. He saw it as an opportunity when he's in uh, in Philippi. You remember he he does a, does a miracle, and and so he starts testifying and gives an opportunity. And they beat him, and and then they put him in jail, and he doesn't he doesn't share then. But then, after the earthquake comes, and he sees a man in distress to the point where he's about to kill himself, he says, oh, wait a second, you need a word, I see that as an open door, and he starts testifying then to this Philippian jailer about what God has done. An open door looks like when people want to hear from you, or hear a word from God, you look for that. Look for that to happen in your life. Pray for that to happen in your life. Now, let me just say that if you're showing Christ, like Colossians 3 verse 12 through 17 presents of being humble, compassionate heart, mercy, patient, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If you're doing that, it's amazing how people want to hear from you more. Okay? When you're demonstrating Christ, it will pique their interest in your life. What does that look like? Well, last, uh, last Sunday, last Sunday, last Saturday, last sometime, um, I was visiting my neighbor and my, his wife died, 59-year-old. Died in a motorcycle accident. Um, friend of our family as a neighbor. So I went over to his house. His military experience hadn't been out of the military all that long. Very military-like, okay? And so, he doesn't really want to show that much weakness in front of me. But then he asked me this question. What, how are you going to tell your kids? How are you going to tell your kids? And I realized he wanted to hear from me. And so, I told him, I knew good and well my kids already knew. I said, well, you know, that... They're used to this. They've heard this. They've, we've been around funerals a lot, death a lot. But this is the type of thing I would say to someone. And I start sharing the gospel with them. It was an open door. He wanted to hear what I had to say. It was there. It was in front of me. This past... Um, this past Thursday, I was studying this text. I was, I was reading this passage that I just read to you. And I, I hadn't done as near as enough studying as I should have uh, with all that was going on. And so I had a limited amount of time. And it's about 4 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Someone knocks on the office door. I can hear them out there in the office. And they're talking out and recognize the voices. And after a little while, uh, they, were, they were dismissed out. And I said, hey, who was that? And, and I said, this is someone that was coming by. They just wanted to pray uh, in, in this room. And uh, I said, well, are they here? I was like, yeah. So I went out there, and they're a family, a lady from India, uh, and, her, and, and her son and his friend, a girl, uh, they're all from India, they're from born and raised New Delhi area, and uh, they now live in Churchill Downs, uh, right up the road. And she said, you know, I have been coming by this place for months, and I've been wanting to pray here, and the time was never right. I never had an open door these are the words she used. I never had an open door to do that, and so I had come hoping that perhaps, maybe I could pray here. Um, and uh, when when it, when you guys weren't open, I was just disappointed. I said, "Well, let's do that. Let's 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 have a prayer in there." And she was like, "Can I? Should I take my shoes off when I come in here?" I said, "Well, if you're comfortable, you can do that." Uh, and then we, we came down up front. She grew up in a Catholic school like her son, but she's Hindu. Um, I wasn't quite sure of this at the time, but I kind of suspected. And she said, can I light a candle? I said, well, um, you have a candle with you? You know, I, and and I uh, said, I tell you what, here's the deal. If you can, if you will let me share a story with you and your family from, uh, from the Bible, I'll let you light some candles. And uh, she came in, and, and then she's like, well, where do I put the candles at? It's like, I don't know. Where do you want to put the candles at, you know? Just... You know, and after a little while I came back and uh, let her have some time with her, or, her daughter or her son and, and his friend. And, and I started talking to them. And she said, you know, I remember something from when I was little uh, that it was said somewhere that you could ask and you can seek and you can knock. And I don't really remember what it meant. And I remember talking to my swarmy about it. And he explained to me what it meant. And, of course, this was the Hindu version of it. And I said, well, you know, Jesus did say that. And he said in the Sermon on the Mount, and he was talking about ask and it'll be answered, seeking will find, knock and the door will be opened. And he said he was talking about the Spirit of God. That the spirit of God can be given to us through Jesus, and I was able to, uh, long story short, share the gospel with them, share the story uh, of uh, Luke chapter nine with her, and, and just uh, with their family, they were able to share with one another. Uh, they translated it from English to Hindi, and 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 then I started sharing with them. I said, "Look, if you really want to know who God is, you want to know who Jesus Christ is. I want to, I want you to read John, the Gospel of John." And we gave them a New Testament and said, "I want you to pray this. Say so just." If God, if you're there, if you're real, if you're real through Jesus Christ, then let me know. And then read John 9. And so they, they did. And, they said, and he committed to me that I'm going to do that. I'm going to read that. Listen, here's uh, I share with the, with the mother. She said, after this asking, seeking, knock, and she was talking about a door being opened to her. I said, let me tell you what I just read. While you were in the front office, I was reading to pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account which I am in prison. He said, I was praying that. I was reading that. I was praying, God, show me what this means. And then you come knocking on our door. Friends, I can figure that out. I'm not that smart. I can figure it out when God's making connection when someone's knocking on a door and I'm praying about opening a door and she's asking, hey, can a door be opened? Listen. Listen. All that to say. Is that God is literally having the nations knock on Green Pine's door. What will we do with that? What will we do with it? Can we make it more clear? Do you want to say, "Oh, I'm not sure this is God's will." <laughs> listen. If we don't know that's God's will, it's because we're not wanting to listen. There is a neighborhood across the way, an old face in Churchill Downs, that we have a family that lives here now. They're from Kenya. Well, there's uh, families coming from, from Thailand that are some of you taught in Sunday school that live in Churchill Downs. I know there's an Egyptian family over there. There are uh, Anglo people here in our church there. We're not even trying to reach that neighborhood. Maybe we should. Maybe we should, maybe that should be the direction for us to say, let's focus on this because the nations are there and they're coming knocking on our door. What will we do? First thing is we're going to pray. God, give us open doors. God, give us open doors. What are we going to say? Well, we're going to pray for that too. God, help us to make it clear. But notice what he says. An open door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ. To declare the mystery of Christ. We want to share what is the mystery of Christ. Well, Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 to 28 uh, is the same words that Jesus uh, that Paul used. He says, The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them. God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here is the mystery. That you are from India. Christ wants to be in your heart. You are from Kenya. Christ wants to be in your life. You are from America. You are a Gentile. Christ wants to be in you. He wants you to know life. Listen. Eternal life is not just having some assurance of heaven when you die. Eternal life is that you may know God. And that is the Spirit of God indwelling your life. It is the mystery of Christ. It is the product of Christ at work in our life. That's what we declare. We say, you know what? You give this up, but you want to listen to me. Listen. You know how to deal with death, but have the Spirit of God comforting me, giving me direction, giving me words from the Word of God. This is the Spirit of God at work in my life. That's sharing the gospel to say that this has come from Jesus Christ, not because of any works of righteousness that I've done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit in our life. To declare the mystery of Christ. Now listen. You need to understand something. An open door does not mean that you share the gospel without consequences. It doesn't mean that, okay, if I share here, then nothing bad is going to happen to me. Listen to what he says next. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now, listen, I'd just be honest. If if there was an idiot out there, if you're sharing the gospel, you will be in prison. I would interpret that as a closed door. That door is closed paul does not he simply says if someone has an interest in what you have to say or an interest in what god has to say forget the consequences that's the open door god's going to take care of the consequences you just be faithful to the task you say but but i i might lose my job well paul was put in prison that would be losing his job but he still saw it as an open door when people are interested in what you have to say. Now, be careful. When people are interested in what you have to say. The problem is sometimes we think, oh, hey, pastor's talking about sharing the gospel. And you share the gospel left and right and no one cares about what you have to say. <laughs> no one's interested in what you have to say. That is abusing it. It's abusing them. Are they interested in what you have to say? Do they know you? Do they respect how Christ is at work in your life? And then he prays that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Here's the good news. is When that opportunity comes, God will give you the words to say. He will give you the words to say. Now, you memorize the word of God. You memorize the word of God because it is the sword of the Spirit. Memorize Titus chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Memorize Romans 3, 23. Romans 6:23. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, John 3:16. There's a lot of verses that share what God wants to do in your life. Memorize those, and the Spirit of God can bring those to you. And then verse 5 and 6. Let your conversation with others reflect your conversation with God. Let your conversation with others reflect your conversation with God. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders. Making the best use of the time. Alright? So outsiders, these are unbelievers, wisely. Uh, we, uh, we want to see that our time that we have with them is used wisely. Made in the best way. Now that has the idea of purchasing the time. Purchasing the opportunity. Purchasing the season. These doors of opportunity that you have. Will come at a cost to you. When you sense sacrifice. The spirit of God is leading you. To do something. And it's going to sacrifice on your part. It may be that what you're doing. Is purchasing a time. Purchasing an opportunity. I'm going to tell you about an opportunity internationally some of you know matt Jericho smith they've shared with you about syrian refugees these are syrians who are muslims by their tradition but they are now wanting to hear what people have to say if they will help them that's an open door mike has gone and met with some others about that open door. We want to make the best of the time that we've got. This time wasn't there a few years ago. It's there now. It may require sacrifice. It is a purchase that we do. One of the things that are needed are people just to help coordinate that work. Someone needs to even move there for a season to coordinate works. Talk to Mike. Talk to Mike about that. There's an international open door. Make the best use of time. Purchase it. And then let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Why? So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay? So, verse 6. Being gracious in your talk, seasoned with salt, is practice. To always be doing it. So that when the time matters... You're ready. And when does it matter when someone's asking you? When someone's talking to you, asking from you, that you have already been practiced in your everyday communication to talk with grace. If we're praying for opportunity to share the gospel, if we're praying to make the word clear, and then at the same time we're talking to people in a way that does not show the grace of God, then we are grossly inconsistent with our conversation with God and our conversation with others. They need to match grace. Let me just give you a clue here. No person can know the motive of another person. No person can know the motive of another person. God and God alone knows the motives of our heart. But we often practice it in such a way that, oh, so-and-so is doing this because of. And it is filled not with grace. Sometimes filled with resentment and bitterness and envy. You cannot know the motive of another person's heart. So go ahead and give the benefit of a doubt to someone, if at all possible. That is a gracious thing to do. Just that one simple rule. Give every single person a benefit of a doubt. It is amazing how you will be different if you just do that simple rule. Let grace fill your heart. Let it be seasoned with salt as God has given grace to you. Give it to others so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. If I learn to practice this with every single person, then I can do it with the person that's hardest to give the grace to. I can do this with a person that perhaps God wants me to have an opportunity to share the gospel with. Time has expired. As we look at verse 6, I want you to consider his prayer in Colossians 1, verse 9 to 13. Remember, this is how he started the letter. He said, so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He is praying that we would walk worthily with wisdom. Which involves our growth. Involves power for endurance. Involves patience and joyful thanksgiving. And as he prays it. His letter becomes the very answer to his prayer. Master Colossians. So let Christ master you so that you can have this resurrection power that makes a difference in our life. The doors are there, people are knocking, but is anyone praying? Our ladies are going to be starting a week of prayer next Monday. I would say, ladies, pray for open open doors. Pray for His will to be known among all of us. Men, pray for the women. Don't just walk out of here and say, Well, I'm glad those women are praying. About time they start praying. (laughs) No, it's on us as men to pray for the women. Because we don't just want more godly women, we want Christ in us. So here's our commitment. I invite you to commit to praying for an open door and for the clarity to share the gospel. Either you will commit to do that or you will not commit to do that. And it's very clear. There's one invitation. And here's what I would ask of you. I'm going to ask that we all stand. We're going to sing as we typically do. And stand, stand in doing so. But here's what I want you to do. Wherever you're at. If you will commit. To pray. For an open door. To say I will pray this. Every day. That I will have an open door. To share the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of Christ. And for clarity. I will pray for clarity to share it. If you will signify that to the Lord. By praying as we do our invitation. And here's how we as a body can know. If you will just either sit down. Or get on your knees. In your prayer. To express some humility before the Lord. In this commitment. Wherever you're at. To do that, you don't have to stay seated, just pray, express it, come back up, and join the others as we sing. This will be our way of committing to the Lord one way or the other.